श्री गुरु परंपरा की जाय श्री गौर नितनंद की जाय गौर भक्त बिंद की जाय बहुत प्रेम आनंद in this uh, week passing now earlier in the week was the observance of the guru purnim i believe on tuesday and uh, wasn't here for that so i want to speak a little bit about um, that occasion tonight a little bit late forgive me it uh, is an important uh, occasion for us as godias for a particular reason the overarching um, idea of the idea of the, of the day of course is that within hinduism let there be a day a full moon day for observing the guru puja honoring the guru um days like that when we have a special commemoration are really meant to absorb us in such a way that we remember why we're involved and ideas to carry that out then every day once i was with uh, prabhupada in, in los angeles we had a festival kind of an impromptu uh, festival in the park and um it wasn't for a particular occasion and prabhupada came and attended participated in it to some extent and afterwards one of my godbrothers sadama marshes prabhupada to the prabhupada prabhupada uh, t- uh, today was um um this festival was so ecstatic and probably said every day is so ecstatic so that's the idea find certain days and commemorate them honoring of the vaishnavas and the appearance of bhagwan in different forms the shakti tatvas and so on and so forth commemorate them according to the sacred texts and and uh, help thereby to catapult us into an ongoing su- such an ongoing absorption and the uh, in the subjective inner landscape if you will so uh, the guru purnim celebrated all over india for all types of sects and so forth uh, for us as gaudi vaishnavas however it has a special meaning as well and one that's more emphasized perhaps than the guru purnima and that is that it corresponds the uh, this full moon of this month just passed with the disappearance of sri sanatana goswami padesh sri sanatana goswami jai jai Sanatana Goswami left the world on this day, Gorpunim, and uh, to give you some idea of his significance, importance, you know, sometimes I will say a few things, but with regard to his departure in particular, Sanatana Baba was uh, about 70 years old when he passed. He was only 27 when he left uh, his material responsibilities to join Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who was about 2 years older than him. So, we see by his example that of others how to use our youth wisely when some people may say don't be crazy as a young person. 
but at any rate, he uh, left the world in Brudge in, in, in the uh, extended Vrindavan area. And there he resided for quite some time, uh, having been commissioned to, to do so, ordered even to do so, and with specific instructions what to do when he was there. Um, by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, given to him by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, ordered to go to Vrindavan. So he spent quite some time there, although he also visited Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Jagannath Puri. <clears throat> At any rate, as I'm saying, he left the world in Vrindavan, and because he used to roam throughout Vrindavan, um, everyone knew him. Sanatana was the great person that we know him to be, who Jiva Goswami has described, along with Rupa, his um, uncles, um, as famous in Vrindavan, famous in Mathura. It's a very important statement, because to be famous as a devotee, um, when there aren't many devotees around, it's not such a big accomplishment. Um, but to be famous amongst devotees in Mathura Mandal, Mandal, the greater Mandal of Vrindavan, that's a very extraordinary uh, stature to attain. And we'll describe a little bit why, but he was such, and Jiva Goswami describes him and his brother Rupa in this way. Um, at the onset of each of his Sandharvas, his six uh, essays, the uh, Satsandharva, uh, each of them are prefaced with this glorification, among other things that he says to preface those Sandharvas, this kind of glorification of Rupa and Sanatana, under whose tutelage he, he served. And so they, they were famous in the Braj, and famous, as Jiva Goswami said, for their bhakti, which is extraordinary. But they are also well-known for their ordinary dealings with people, hmm? who they would meet and inquire from them, how was your father, how was your mother, how were your children, what happened to this one, what happened with their good memories and uh, and uh, and uh, uh, just real, I want to say, interactions with, with others, even those, I mean to say, who were not on a... Um, higher level of devotion or perhaps even very seriously involved in, uh, in spiritual practice who were not their disciples per se. Hmm. They, of course, were uh, prior to their overt uh, devotional life and the joining of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they were ministers in the government in Bengal and they resided in Ram Kali, which was the, the capital really of Bengal at the time and they were very highly situated in the uh, government service of the Nawab, which was a a Muslim um, rule, so highly situated that Sanatana took over the the whole of the kingdom, if you will, in the absence of the the Nawab. So uh, how they came to that, I should mention as well, it said that Nawab Hussein Sah was building a tomb for himself. And so he hired the best architects and uh, craftsmen to build the tomb. And in the context of building it, um, he was marveling at its its um, 
case, and he wanted the best. Uh, it, it, it's, it's the standard of the of the work, and he wanted the best tomb in all of India for himself, that he might be remembered <laughs> uh, in that way. And um, <clears throat> I think one of the artisans commented something to the effect that he could have they could have done it a little better, something like that. Uh, under this circumstance and that circumstance. So he said, what? He could have done it better, and then he cut off his head. Hmm? And, yeah. Then um, another minister um, was looked at by the, the glaring eyes of the, of the Nawab, and, and, and he, what did he ask him? Get it. Get it. Get it, right? And he didn't know what to get, but he got out of there. <laughs> That's the point. And he just like took off. And he was in a very disturbed condition where how could he go back? What did the, what did the Nawab want? If he didn't bring it back, he might lose his head and so forth. And um, he met the brothers, Rup Sanatan. They were in their 20s, early 20s. And looking at his face, they could understand that he was troubled hmm? and they asked a couple questions and then they told him what Nawab wanted what did he want? Uh, the craftsman right hmm? get it, get the best craftsman hmm? and so they said that's what he wants and, and so on and so the king he went back and he said, I realized what you wanted. He said, how did you realize that? Then he told him about Rupsanatha, and he said, bring them here. This is the these are very exceptional young men. They could understand from a distance, just talking to this guy. He's my chief minister. He couldn't understand what I wanted. Hmm? And they could understand, and so he brought them on board. And, of course, if the Nawab wants you in, your, <laughs> in his uh, cabinet, then it's not the best thing to... To resist, so they. Um, it's an example also how the Swamis dealt with the situation by way of becoming part of the Muslim government. The example of how they blended with the society to some extent, integrated with it, um, even in the context of coming out eventually and ultimately being the uh, founders of a new uh, lineage, a new sampradaya. Um, they had to work practically with reality on the ground. Another example, of course, is when Chaitanya Dev came to Bengal hmm, on his way to Vrindavan the first time, and he was uh, met Rupsanatan in um, Ramkeli. And uh, Sanatan advised him, don't go to Bengal hmm, with a big group which was following him wherever he went. I mean, Chaitanya Dev was the hometown boy, Nimai Pandit, who had become the great Sri Krishna Chaitanya at 25 years old. By this time, he had gone to South India for a couple of years, so he was probably 27, 28 years old. And the whole, he had converted the whole of Jagannath Puri, which was the most fortified Hindu kingdom, practically, in part at the time, in India at the time. The Muslims could not penetrate there. Gajapati, he was called, the Pratipurudamara, uh, it's a king, elephant king. It means that he had a lot of elephants and it takes a 
couple hundred pounds of food to feed an elephant a day, so he was very wealthy. And, um, and as I say, a very fortified kingdom there under the protection of Jagannath, and Muslims were never able to um, penetrate there. Hmm. Um, Mahaprabhu converted the whole of the, of the Jagannath Puri. The king became his, uh, his, his, his disciple. Hmm. And, uh, and incidentally, when Chaitanya Dev left Jagannath Puri to go to Vrindavan the first time on his way through where he would stop in Bengal and Ramkeli, the king spent every penny in his treasury making um, ghats. Ghats means like um, a monument and in a, in a, in a facility for bathing. For example, in the sacred river, wherever Chaitanya bathed, Wherever he spent the night, he made he made his big monument there, and so forth. He spent his whole treasury for that year in that way. And when the young Sri Krishna Chaitanya arrived in Bengal, returned, you can just imagine how the Navadvip Basis, the residents of Nadia, had felt. This is their hometown boy, Nimai Pandit, had become the world. Celebrity converted the king of Puri and traveled to the south, and his reputation was rippling throughout the subcontinent of of India. Hmm. And he was no older than some of you in the, in the, in the audience. Hmm. So huge crowds. Poetically, Krishna Kaviraj has uh, described the scene in Nadia as such when he crossed the Ganga. The throngs of people followed him to the extent that the Ganga became filled with people's heads. <laughs> and there was no room for the rest to enter the water, so they walked on their heads across. <laughs> this is his poetic attempt to express a scene that just uh, was, was beyond... The, the, the limits of the, the physical and the psychic dimensions of, of our experience. Hmm? Poetry, of course, is used in this way to extend the world. Hmm? And it's the, it's the best language, poetry, music, to, to, try, to try to speak about that which, is, uh, which transcends time and, and space. Hmm? So, our, our roots not, and of course, they were great uh, poets. Kavis. Hmm? And Kaviraj Goswami described the scene in Nadia like this. Um, so, from there, he came to Ramkeli, which is also in the Godamandala, the larger circle of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes in West Bengal. Hmm? And again, it was the capital of Bengal at the time. And there he met Rup Sanatana. And um, he was going from there on his way to Vrindavan. And Sanatana advised him, don't go to Vrindavan with a large group. Hmm. What he meant by that was two things. He, he was speaking, and this is just to show, this is my point, how, uh, what an integrated kind of human being he was, besides being a spiritually, a spiritual adept. Hmm. He was politically savvy. I mean, he was part of the world, hmm, and not part of the world at the same time. This is an important uh, point, actually. Let me make it. He told Sanatana, he told Chaitanya Mahaprabhu for two reasons. One reason, this is, it's not written, but you had to figure this out. You got to feel for it. 
if you go to Vrindavan with a large following and so forth, it's not appropriate because, in, from a spiritual point of view, because uh, Krishna is, uh, Radha and Krishna are the the, the uh, lords of Vrindavan, and we should go there as devotees of them, mm-hmm. as servants, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So he advised like this. But secondly, with regard to worldliness, he advised him, don't go with a large crowd, because the Muslim groups, uh, 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 occupation throughout India is, is such that you'll draw attention to you, and you could be harmed. In different borders. Yeah. And to cross the border and pay the tax, and you've got a big group, and and who are you? And you know, this is times are different then, and so forth. So the the point here, it's a small point, but it's it's useful to bring it up. People, these acharyas like Sanatana Goswami, they were very um, well integrated. They were the kind, They were living in a society such that if they had televisions, they would have asked Sanatana to come on and say, "What was your opinion hmm, about this?" or that, that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, my Maharaj wanted Gaudiya Vaishnavism to, Vaishnavism to attain this kind of status in the modern world as well, to be referred to as one of the you know, major traditions that has an important point to say that's, that's in the world, but while not of it at the same time. Mm-hmm. There's a tendency um, to embrace bhakti um, we we come from into bhakti from two lines or tracks of, of materialism, boga and tyag. They're two sides of the same coin. To enjoy the world, to exploit it, hmm? to think in terms of mine, or to renounce it, to think in terms of I, hmm? I and mine. Mine means the karmic preoccupation, where we think that by acquisition our life will be improved and enhanced. The I here, or the tag, the real I, in other words, there, in other words there's a false I based on the idea that my life will be enhanced by acquisition. In other words, having has nothing to do with being. It's an important point. We think that because we have, we be, and we be, or we exist more firmly, more strongly. But having is a very vacuous sense of being, when in fact nothing is ours. So the false claim of proprietorship creates a false sense of I. What we desire has much to do with what we think we are. We are, materially speaking, our desires. You like this, she likes that. He wants this, she wants that. In the mind, we're creating the dualities of good, bad, happy, sad, hot, cold, so on and so forth. And based on this, um, mind is the seat of desire, manas. Kalpa, sankalpa, vikalpa. I like this, I don't like that. This acceptance and rejection of sense experiences hmm? forms an eye. What, 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 what are you materially? Well, I like this, I don't like that. That's what you are, you understand? And so this is all mental, manodharma. It's all coming from the mind only. Hmm? So it's a false sense of self. And it's very much 
about having. It's a, it's kind of a vacuous sense of self that's in need, so it, it thinks that by acquisition it, it will become more. But actually what happens by the acquisition is it becomes more in debt. That's the karmic plight, if you will. So we move into kind of negative numbers, minus one, minus two, not even a zero. So this is ignorance. Living in the realm of karma means to live in, in, in ignorance. Knowledge, on the other hand, is the, is the knowing hmm, that being is not derived from having. I already be. I already am. Hmm. I am not this, and I am not that. Neti, neti, neti. I'm not American. I'm not Indian. I'm not black. I'm not white. I'm not... Californian, I'm not man, I'm not woman, I'm not fat, I'm not thin, I'm not smart, I'm not dumb. Hmm? But I am. In all these things that you can come up with, that you might be, you are. You are none of them, but you are. So the fact that I am is so huge, so big, in comparison to I am this or that. This is a very small vacuous idea that cannot be maintained. Hmm? You understand? Hmm? But that I am, that's for sure. Hmm? So, to realize that I am and the extent that I am is to move away from the false side that derived from the sense of having or the need to have. Hmm? So we've gone from negative numbers now to zero, which has kind of a positive content in comparison to negative numbers. I am. What? I just am. Hmm? I exist. I am. Hmm? I know that I am. I, I exist. I know that I exist. And it's pretty blissful comparing to being thinking I am this or I am that, which was constantly a problem. Hmm? There is kind of a minimal knowing there and a minimal bliss, if you will. No suffering. The suffering comes from thinking I'm this or that. So I, I have desire, so I have to move, I have to struggle. So to come to zero ah, and, and stop plugging into the karmic predicament and creating greater debt for yourself, it's a big relief ah, to come to zero. The beautiful thing, of course, about Gaudiya Vaishnavism is we ask the question, are there any positive numbers? <laughs> what about that? The zero is so big, as I'm speaking about it, that most transcendentalists just can't think beyond that. That's enough to silence them forever. Shanti, shanti, shanti. But we used to say when we were kids, there's peace and love. You need both, not just peace. Hmm? Understand? Coming to zero is to end the war. You're not struggling, taking anymore. Hmm? But in peace, there's no love. But in love, there's peace. And sometimes. But not all the time. <laughs> and such is the nature of love. It has a circle of its own. When we move in the world to find love, we cannot rest until we find it. When we find it, it has its own orbit. Hmm? So bhakti, very exciting. It's very. It's like material life. The positive numbers are like the negative numbers. 
They're more like the negative numbers than they are like zero. The mukti is not in our interest. Better bukti than mukti. Better bog than tyag. Because I'll give you another idea, example of this. Because the desires that we have materially for acquisition, for this, for that, for whatever it is, this and that, and so forth, none of them, none of the desires of the karmi, if you will, can be as strong as the as the mukta. The desire for mukti has to retire all the desires for this or that. How powerful that mukshatva, the desire for mukti must be. And if you have a very, very it's stronger than all the material desires. You understand? It retires them all. There's such a powerful desire that if you become possessed of the desire for mukti, then it's very difficult to get a desire for bhakti because mukti is a desire to get away, to escape. I was doing something, it was problematic. Now I don't want to do anything. I want to rest. I want to sit. And I've just got this samskar for I just want to sit. Bhakti's not just about sitting there. It's about get up, do something. For Bhagwan. It's active. Even the Shantarasa of Bhaktis, which is, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, how do you call it? It's kind of a, um, Neutral. Neutral positivity, something like that. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a, You'll do something if you're asked. So it's played down. They're in the brudge, therefore, Dasya Sakya, Vatsalya, Madhurya, these four bhavas are prominent, not Shantarati. Hmm. It's kind of fancy. And Shantarasa, the, where uh, even in Shantarasa, the object of the devotee's love in Shantarasa is only the form of, of, of Narayana. Not his lila, which is movement. Not his guna, not his qualities. It's the only rasa that you can be changed from. By good association, you can change from shantarasa to dasirasa or sakirasa. But having attained dasirasa, sakirasa, madhurya rasa, there's no changing there. And these are the these are the movements, really, of the whole world. If you think about it, people are really moving for dasya. To learn something from a teacher, for 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 sakya, out of friendship, they're moving in the world. Out of vatsalya, out of parental love, they're moving. Out of moving, out of romantic love, they're moving. These are the forces of the world that that the Goswamis were concerned with, rather than, as I've said before, gravity, electromagnetic force, positive and negative, nuclear, you know, whatever. Um, these types of things. They weren't very interested in these things, but these forces that drive people and how to perfect them by turning them onto the perfect object of love. Krishna accepts love in Dasya, a special kind of Dasya, tinged with Sakya, who accepts love in Sakya. We don't find it anywhere else. Hmm? In, 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 in Ram, uh, Ramachandra, we find he's got a couple brothers. Hmm? But you cannot enter Ayodhya in Sakya Rasa. You have the world of the Hanuman's lead in Dasirasa. When you come to Goloka, then we find Bhagwan has friends. Bhagwan has parents, and you can have the parental love. Hmm? Bhagwan has not only one Lakshmi, Lakshmi, Sahasra, Satasambhara, Masihi, And not only many. 
But Lakshmi Sahasra Sapta, Sambrahmasi Vimano. Narayan has one Lakshmi. Krishna has Lakshmi Sahasra Sapta, thousands of Lakshmi, gopis. And not only has more in quantity, Lakshmi Sahasra Sapta, Sambrahmasi Vimano. Sambrahmasi Vimano means they're endowed with, with Prima Madhurya, a special kind of love that you don't find in Vaikuntha. Hmm? Special kind of seva. Prema Madhurya, one of the qualities of Krishna. Cannot find it in Narayan. So bhakti is active. And if you have cultivated for yugas, the desire for mukti, to sit quietly, it's very difficult. You have bad samskar. Now, if you have some scar for material desire, well, it's easy to replace comparatively because none of those desires are satisfying you. Mukti can satisfy you more than any material desire. Again, I am this or I am that is a, is a problematic life. I am. Oh, that's pretty peaceful. Okay, comparatively. You can sit. But now to tell them, get up. I go on want something. Ah. So it's a problem. Therefore, we it's a very curious theological perspective of the Gaudias. Better to be in samsara than be in, be in sauja. Hmm? To be in Brahman. There's, there's still a chance for you to, to taste bhakti rasa. Hmm? So, from negative numbers to zero and in, and to positive numbers, and in the context of cultivating the positive numbers, we automatically attain the zero, but don't get waylaid there. Hmm? We attain it in the context of pursuing something, something more than that. Hmm? So, how we got there, I'm not sure, but uh, it's an interesting point. We talk about Sanatana and, 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 and the fact that he was an integrated type of um, person, that he was in really in the world. And what I was saying is we come to bhakti from these two tracks of material life. There's a path called karma to acquire and acquire the best you can and go to heaven for ten zillion years and come back. And there's a path to hone the tyag, the renunciation. You see, knowledge corresponds with renunciation. Having is attachment. Knowing has nothing to do with having, so knowing has something to do with giving up. So vairagya, detachment, is part of knowing. It's a kind of corollary. Hmm? If, you, if you cultivate detachment, you become knowing. If you have knowing, you cultivate detachment. They feed off of one another. These two are not limbs, angas, of the angi, of the body, of bhakti. Hmm? But... In bhakti, we do have renunciation, but what is our renunciation? It's very different. Our renunciation is, we love Krishna, we find out that Krishna doesn't like this, so we don't like it. We give it up. You understand? It's very different. Yukta vairagya, a very kind of practical renunciation, not for its own sake. But besides these paths for material acquisition, and renunciation and, and mukti. Material life in general 
runs along these two lines because we try to enjoy something and go ahead pick out your favorite song go and buy it listen to it and I say okay you like that song I love this song so you got to hear it okay <laughs> I'll listen to it not bad okay now I'm going to put you in a room and I'm going to tell you to listen to that for the next 48 hours nothing else you want to bust out of that room break that record I mean, you'll never want to hear it again you have to hear that thing constantly. You just, you just cannot. So this is, then the tag comes, you see. The bow, I want to enjoy it, keep trying, and it turns into wanting to give it up. Hmm. That's how it works. That's material life. <laughs> so, so material life, besides these systematic paths to cultivate one tendency, or another, to put it differently, there is one tendency is to enjoy the world, to exploit it. The other tendency is to give up the world, to get away from it. The point here is what? With each of these, the, the center is the world. In bhakti, the focus is not the world, it's Bhagwan. And the world is part of Bhagwan, so we deal with it accordingly and so forth. And for Bhagawan, we may enjoy the world. If we come to the temple and someone has offered a nice prashad to the deity and he says, please take prashad and say, no, I'm fasting. That's a aparad. Hmm? You understand? <laughs> you, know, you take and it's enjoyable. <laughs> right? And sometimes we have to do things that are not enjoyable. We have to get up early, for example, to come to the Mongolarti, but it might be more convenient from our sensual and mental point of view to rest and sleep and so forth so there's 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 both acceptance of the of material let's say enjoyment and rejection of it both within bhakti therefore the adhikar the eligibility for bhakti cannot be too extreme on one side or the other he's a balanced person the middle path (laughs) and however my point is that we come to bhakti from these two currents. They're like two sides of the same coin, the two tracks of material life. And so there'll be things about bhakti that attract us. Just like there's a lot of people there. Must be happening at that temple. He's got lots of disciples. I'll go there. Hmm? You know, we started this ashram, I don't know, about 15 years ago, and we were just a few couple of us just living in the woods here. We had a couple of tents. And one tent was the kitchen and so forth and uh, and uh, so I was traveling and I met one devotee he said where are you now Marcia said I'm in Northern California my ashram he said oh that's a nice place yeah how many devotees are there I said three and then he he felt like oh gosh I embarrassed Maharaj that I've said this there's only three people there but it must not be happening it must not be very you know I kind of chuckled myself inside but it's an example of what I'm talking about if enough people are involved, you'll find all kinds of people joining on because there's, there's, there's material facilities, there's things, there's things, there's buildings, there's properties, there's people, there's action. Hmm? Drama. Drama. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, people think, therefore there must be something going on. They have things. There must be something going on there. So this is an example, but, but driven by the karmic tendency, 
we come into bhakti. Then the other side of it is there, someone may hear, the guru is sitting, he lives in the forest there, he lives under a redwood, he only eats tulsi leaves, only kalasi leaves. <laughs> so I'm going to go there, wow. You know, because the renunciation is also attractive for another group of persons. And so we may come into bhakti, and then, well, bhakti is the main stream, so to speak, that harmonizes both the, the taking and the renouncing tendencies, we may gravitate towards the renouncing side or towards the taking side. And we may have a certain take, then, on bhakti. Mm-hmm. And we may think bhakti is all about renunciation and do all kinds of fasting and things and, and so on. And, and be a little out of balance, if you will, from what bhakti is really about. It really makes for, supposed to make for a balanced person is my point, and Sanatana Rupa Swami. I'm giving you an example. They could fully function in the world. So bhakti is not an excuse for not being able to function in the world. It's not what it's for. And not having to think. You know, you're going to have to think, do a lot of thinking. You've got to think enough and pray to find a good guru, and then you've got to tell you so many things, and then you have to think about what he said or what she said what it means, what it means in different times, in different places, in different circumstances, and, and, and so on and so forth. It's a big, big task. It's not a place for somebody else doing the thinking for you. Hmm? And so I just used Sanatana Goswami as an example. Bhakti Vinod in modern, modern times was an example. Bhakti Siddhanta as well. Our Guru Maharaj, uh, was uh, on television too, <laughs> sometimes. Uh, but he wanted Gaudiya Vaishnavism not to be this insular, um, it has an insular side to it, obviously, um, but as much as we are not of the, we're in the world, we're not of the world, the two have to go together. Mm-hmm. So Sanatana, I want to say, as it was an example of a very, like, functional person, he could, he, he spoke seven, eight languages, he could comment on anything, mm-hmm. very learned person. I mean, everybody's not going to be a learned person like Sanatana Goswami, but we want this not to be a place for escaping. Mm-hmm if you will. Hmm? Um, but for creating a refuge, I mean, it's, it's really, bhakti is about living in the world without taking hmm? um, for one's own sake and without renouncing other than for the service of Krishna. So it's really, it is a step back from the world through knowledge to see what it's really about and then step into it with a different, different mindset altogether. The Sanatana group, they were good examples of this. I mean, when they went to Vrindavan, they got the patronage of all the kings. Hmm? Mahaprabhu told Sanatana uh, in, um, in Benares to go to Vrindavan to, he gave him four orders, to establish the places of Krishna's pastimes, hmm? to write on bhakti Sudachar, the proper behavior of a bhakta, the decorum of a devotee, to write books means philosophical books as well, and to establish the standard of worshiping the deity. These four things, Sanatana was told to do. So with that command, the charge of Mahaprabhu came to uh, Vrindavan, and he did all those things. He wrote. Uh, well, he worked with Gopal Bhatta to bring out what's called the Hari Bhakti Vilas, which speaks about all the Oh, the de- decorum of the devotees, how to do this, how to do that, as a devotee. Hmm? Um, he wrote the first Gaudiya philosophical book, Brihad Bhagavatamrita, 
Brihat means great, Bhagavat means really Bhagwan, and Amrita means nectar. The nectar of Bhagwan is his devotees. The book is about Bhagwan and his devotees and their, their love for him. And it is also the nectar essence of the Bhagavatam itself, Brihat Bhagavatamrita. This is the seminal, original Gaudiya philosophical book. You can see how he was one of the founding acharyas of the whole Sampradaya. Um, in other books, of course, his, he was the, his is the first Gaudiya commentary on the Bhagavatam, Vaishnava Toshani. Um, uh, Krishna Lila Stava he wrote, and in other books. So he fulfilled that order of Mahaprabhu in the order of establishing the, the standard of behavior through with, with Gopal Bhatta in conjunction with writing the Hari Bhakti Vilas, a different kind of book, not a philosophical book, a book about procedures, rituals, and so on and so forth. Um, and um, established the deity of Madan Gopal, Madan Mohan, in Vrindavan, and he excavated the places of Krishna's pastimes. And this brings us to that point again, because in order to do that, he was able to to get the patronage, the support of the kings of India, because he was a beggar. So he said, here's uh, Govinda Kund, and here is this Leela, Stali, this place of Leela, that place of Leela, and so forth. And he had enough power, spiritual force and conviction hmm, that the kings came and built temples there, built monuments there, built gods. And that's what you see if you go to Vrindavan now. They're built 500 years ago. The place was built up. When Chaitanya went there, Radhakund was a puddle. And Shamkund was a little puddle. He bathed in him and said, this is Radhakund, this is, this is Shamkund. Hmm. And Jiva Goswami got the patronage of kings to build what you see there if you go there today. Hmm. Um, so the, these were the government, the kings, and the government was plugged in to go to Vaishnavism. You were nobody. You know, if you if you have money, then how do you distinguish yourself from someone else has money? You've got ten billion. I've got eighteen billion. You know, who's better? Then it's who's ever got the best art. Who's ever spent that money to buy the most? You know valuable so-called things and so forth. So you are nobody. You are not a Raj or a Rani, a king or a queen worth talking about if you didn't have something in Vrindavan hmm? commemorating the, you know, the pastimes of, of, of Krishna, honoring, for example, the vision of Rup and Sanatan. Hmm? And it was their vision. They projected their own bhava on the land of Vrindavan. And that's what we honor, their bhava. You saw it here. It must be here. We live in bhava of the, of the, of the Goswamis in their hearts. That's where people wondered, did Krishna really ever come here? It's <laughs> another story, but it's a good exp- we can give a good explanation. But he living in the hearts of Rupa Sanatana, these devotees, and they are just expressing their heart and has a physical manifestation. That we call Vrindavan. Therefore it said, don't go to Vrindavan, just take a bath. Go there to meet a sadhu. And take, take the sangha. That is, otherwise, you might as well be an animal just passing through. You know, you know, this is what it means. This is what is what is the tirtha. When when Yudhisthira Maharaj was longing to keep the company of Vidura, the sadhu Vidura, Vidura was going to go on pilgrimage. He said, 
Bhavad Vidha Bhagavata Stirta Bhuta Swayam Vidhu Tirtiku Vanti Tirtani Swam Dastena Gadapata He said, my dear Vidura, you have no need to go on pilgrimage. You are the place of pilgrimage because you carry Bhagavan in your heart wherever you go. So this is this is how this is who we, what we want to be connected with. This power, this spiritual reality, Rupanatha. They formed the whole sampradaya of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. This was out of all of Mahaprabhu's associates, Chaitanya Dev chose them because of their ability to integrate with the world, their 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 worldly insight and so forth. They, and they portrayed themselves also as sadhakas and taught by their example how to do sadhana. Many of Mahaprabhu's associates were just kind of out of this world, in, 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 in a sense. But Rupa Sanatana, Jiva Goswami, the six Goswami, they're singled out because Mahaprabhu arranged for them to be worldly, well, you know, uh, wise and so forth. They had to establish a sampradaya, hmm? lineage. They had to know where to compromise, where to not when you're starting something, how to give in here and write it like this because of this audience and that audience. And like Prabhupada would say, go in like a pin. And I like, I like a needle, and I like a plow. In other words, if you were to stick a needle in a very small hole, if you come out, that's like a plow inside. So when you're starting something, they were forming a sampradaya in a religious climate hmm? that had a certain understanding, um, a couple of number of certain of understandings of what the sacred text said, what the Sankhya's thought, Revelation said of the Upanishads. What the karma mimamsas thought, what the nirvish, uh, the the, the Vaisheshika and the uh, uh, nyaya and uh, Advaita Vedanta and so forth, what they these are the prominent philosophies of the time. The Goswamis were schooled in all of these; they knew them. They didn't just know their own books. Hmm? That's why it said. Hmm, what is that verse about the Guru? Tasmat Guru Prapadeta Jignasu Shreyutam. Shabde Pore Chanishnatam Brahmani Upashamashrib. Shabde Pore Chanishnatam. One must know the Shabda. Pore means the, 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 the revelation, the Upanishad, the sound. You must know the sound. Pore, from a theistic point of view, Nishnatam. Nishnatam means inside out, backwards, upside down. Hmm? This is required. And it means Vishwanachapuritakura's comedy. And other books too. Hmm? Other than your own. <laughs> so you can speak about it in a relevant way. And what are the what is the philosophy of the time and the world today? How are people thinking? And so they did this. Hmm? It was a huge task. Their task was so extraordinary. Think about it for a minute. Rup Sanatan, Jiva Goswami, they were just not putting forward a new idea. They put forward a new idea and showed it was an old idea. That's incredible. You understand? Here's a new new way of thinking about it, new insight, spiritual insight. That's one thing to try to do that and convince other people. They said this is this is this is it's new, it's revolutionary. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. It was revolutionary. That Krishna is the source of Narayan. This is the ground, this is the this is the password to the to understanding the tattva, the siddhanta of the Bhagavatam. Krishna's two Bhagavan Svayam. The whole of the tattva of Gaudiya Vaishnavism revolves around this. It's tattva. 
and its bhava arises also out of its tattva. Hmm? Therefore, what does Krishna say in Gita? Aham sarvasya prabhav mata sarvam prabhavate. Iti mat bhavajante nam buddha bhava samamita, raga bhava samamita. He says, Krishna is too Bhagavan Swayam. He says, I am Swayam Bhagavan. Aham sarvasya prabhav. I'm the source of everything. Everything comes from me. Hmm? This means knowing that Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan, then Bhajante Mam, he says, Buddha Baba Samambita. Then you can do the kind of bhakti hmm, by which I can be known. Hmm? You have to know that Krishna is who he is, yeah, he's Rasaraj. And then, you know, that's who to approach. He's Rasaraj. If I want to taste Rasa, if I want to know Brahman as Rasa, I, I should approach him. Hmm? And then, of course, as you approach and you attain the Rasa, the fact that he is who he is is overshadowed by the love of intimacy that knowing him as Swayam Bhagavan hmm, allows you to pursue hmm, and attain. In other words, you have to know Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God, you have to forget that he is. In, Br- in Vrindavan, they, d- they don't know that he is. Hmm. You understand? And Krishna's friends don't think he's the Supreme Personality of God. Hmm. They think he's our friend. They worship Narayan there. Hmm. But for us to attain that, first we have to know... <laughs> What is Golok? Who are those people? Hmm? What are his friends? Who are his gopis? What kind of people are they? Hmm? You become attracted to them. Hmm? What kind of love they have? Hmm? Some tattva, proper understanding, then Baba will come, then you become like one of them. Hmm? That's possible. Groups and Atam, they have shown the way. Hmm? Again, they were famous in Vrindavan as devotees. And they established a new teaching and showed that it is rooted in all the core teachings. They showed it's what we're saying is in the Upanishads. See? You didn't see it. It's here in the Gita. Here. It's in this Purana, that Purana. It's in the Tantra. And it's said like most clearly in the Bhagavatam. And what is the Bhagavatam? I mean, what they've done is uncanny. How they sorted out all the different sacred texts, which are like a jungle of sounds. Worship Ganesh. Oh, worship Shiva. Hmm. And this, and, 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 and that, and Kirtan, renunciation, acquisition. There's so many. The text, Triguna Vishayabeda. The Vedas are mostly dealing with the modes of nature and, and, and the karma mark. Hmm? And then I'm on the perverty mark, the, the renunciation mark, then there are different ways of thinking about it. They sort all this out. What's this book? What's that book? How it fits? What's the hub around which these texts orbit and will be understood in context, uh, properly in, re- in relation to? Hmm? What this one says here, this contradicts here, what does it say in the Bhagavatam? That balances them out. It tells us what, what is being a what is a provisional statement by the by the scripture, what's an absolute statement, 
what's one for certain time and certain circumstance. It's uncanny what they did. Their command of the scriptural canon is uncanny. And lokanam hitakarano, hitakarano means loka for the people, for the world, hitakarano, out of immense compassion. They collected all this and put in and and showed kind of the put it all together in context. Incredible service for humanity. And in the context of that, then for example, we mentioned Briya Bhagavatam, of Lagu Bhagavatani, Prabhupada Goswami. Who all who is gonna choose Shiva? Who is it? Where do they all fit? How they all, it's an it's an incredible uh, uh, contribution that they made to the society. Vyas, you know, had said to have written all the texts and whatnot or, or with his group of editors and so forth and and, and then, then in his he was feeling not complete, Nara told him you have to write more explicitly about Bhakti. So he wrote Bhagavatam. Bhagavatam in his most mature realization. Samadhi Nanusmanutad Vicheshtitam. Nard said, You're qualified to sit in Samadhi. Hmm? And he did, and this came, this, this Beda Bed came to him. This, he wrote Bhagavatam. Hmm? But it said, Vyasu Vetina Veti Va. Vyas may know the meaning of it, he may not. But Rupa Goswami knows the meaning, Sanadu Goswami knows the meaning, because they're in the Bhagavatam. Hmm? There are players in there. They're in the Rasalila. Hmm? What, they, what they've come out, what they've brought out, it's like you never would have seen it. But through their insight, you think, who could have seen it otherwise? That's how they speak about Bhagavatam and the sacred text. How could you think of the verse otherwise? And no one had ever thought of it like that. Hmm? So they, they, again, they gave something new and showed that it was something old and it was in the core of all the texts. It's a huge theological accomplishment that the world today still doesn't doesn't understand. The devotees who are following, you know, somehow clamoring along, they don't understand it. Hmm? What is the context? This our work to understand that, and then to bring that out, show it to the society. Hmm? What a valuable thing is Gaudiya Vaishnavism. What a rich. Uh, and balanced uh, tradition. I mean, it's looked at as some kind of unbalanced group of people. Uh, maybe you don't want to get too close to sometimes by the mainstream of America. They're not, you know, calling me up, Swami, can you comment on the election? No. <laughs> not at this one, but, <laughs> well, yeah, but, but I mean, you know, we're just, you know, we, 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 this, this is the kind of thing Prabhupada wanted, for example. Our Bhakti Vinod Paribha, we're, our, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur taught his disciples that your family, Paribar, your lineage is the lineage of Bhakti Vinod. Someone asked, so we are all of us, we have different gurus here, I assume. We are all in the Bhakti Vinod Paribar. Prabhupada said, My mission is the mission of Bhakti Vinod. Pujapachitamar said, The vision came to interface with modernity in Bhakti Vinod, hmm? who wrote to Thoreau, Emerson, Parker, the first American transcendentalist, and interacted with the big British and so forth. Then that vision was taken, given to Bhakti Siddhanta, who gave shape to it in the form of Rodium Math and a mission, sent missionaries to England. Then my Guru Maharaj, uh, the next thing, he took it around the world and so forth. Now others are coming up, walking on the bridge that he created and 
this is what they have to do mm. to interact with the, with the modern world and bring out what Gaudi Vaishnavism's relevance is so that the kings of the world are building our temples for us. <laughs> right? <laughs> something like that. Well, this is the work of Sanatana. And I started with something I wanted to finish, so I'll conclude with it. That is, while in Vrindavan, hmm? Sanatana Goswami, again he lived to about 70 years old, hmm? and Mahaprabhu Chaitanya Dev only stayed about 48 years, so he was a couple of years older than and Sanatana Goswami. So he lived a long time in Vrindavan after Mahaprabhu's disappearance. And he roamed throughout Vrindavan and he knew the people. People knew him. When Sanatana would walk into the village, people would run out and the kids would come out and hold his hands. They would ask him. He would know about them. Then their struggles and about their ordinary dealings and so forth. And he would be an advisor on that level. When he was preoccupied internally with such high ideas. He would bring himself down to talk to the common people in their own language and actually care about them on that level. Not just, I'm waiting for this guy to shut up so I can sell him a book because he doesn't know anything. Here, put it in your mouth. Close it. <laughs> and give me your wallet. <laughs> Somebody not like that. He actually cared about them. On every level. And they felt it. And so, when Munda Baba, Sanatan, he was called Munda Baba. Munda means shaved head, because he would always keep his head shaved. Every poor name, I wanted to shave it up. Putting was near, I want to shave it today, and still time's gone by. So, he would shave his head. So, on the day of Sanatan's disappearance, this Guru Purnim today in Vrindavan, the whole of the Braj Mandal, every man, every woman, and child, Shave their heads. Mm-hmm. They say, we are the followers. Sanatana Baba. Sanatana Goswami Prabhupada Ki Jai. Guru Purnim Ki Jai. Or Bhaktivinda Ki Jai. Kod Premanandi. Nice to sit with you. What was the time? 7.30. We could go on, but it's best to stop there. Did you have Prashadam? I thank you all for coming, that you will be visiting today and do some service here. Much appreciated. Please come again anytime. Hmm? Come in, come in. Is he going to the key job? Can I ask a question? Okay. I just wanted to kind of find out your thoughts about devotees that live outside a community. And uh, um, you know, kind of trying to make a living, let's say, maintain, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just sometimes needing to know. I mean, I had the question sometimes: How do I know if Krishna is happy with what I'm doing? I mean, I the way to know is that you have to be connected with someone of spiritual consequence. That is the idea. We should always serve under a Vaishnav. Hmm? If our Guru Maharaj leaves and we can understand him or her properly and stay connected in that way, it's one thing. But otherwise, for the most part, find some senior Vaishnav, serve, then, then if he or she is thinking about us and knowing what we're doing, then we feel it has some connection. 
with pleasing Krishna. As a householder or a person living outside ashram, obviously you have to have some way of living, making a living, and so on and so forth. Um, so you have to have some involvement in the world, and you want to kind of spiritualize that. Hmm? And the way to spiritualize that is that you're, rather than just being adrift and no one having a question like that, you try to find good good guidance, and you pray for that, and good guidance will come. And then you can share your life situation with such persons, and they, like Sanatana would give advice, then you can get advice. Hmm? I took initiation, and, um, you know, I've been kind of, uh, I'm with the Krishna movement since uh, 77, actually, but, um, you know, a lot of changes, and uh, I'm taking shelter of Srila Prabhupada, you know, but I... Yeah, but that's fine. That's, a lot of things have changed, but a lot of things haven't changed. So the, when I'm talking about something that doesn't change, it doesn't matter, good times or bad times... We should have good association. Our progress will come from associating with more advanced devotees than ourselves. That is a principle taught by Prabhupada, by Rupa Sanatana, Deva Goswami, emphasized over and over again. The birth of bhakti is sadhusanga. Hmm? That is the jhamma of bhakti, and it will grow in sadhusanga. If we don't afford ourselves sadhusanga, if we don't think there are no sadhus, no advanced devotees to associate with, and we, we don't understand bhakti. Hmm. So we find good association, you pray for that, you'll find opportunity. You may have to move to get it. You think, well, there's no, you know, there's, there's somebody said, well, there's no good association here. I said, well, then move. Hmm. You'll thrive in good association. So uh, this is, uh, you know, you, you, what, what, how you will understand Narutam Thakur's song. It says, oh, where is Rupa? Uh, uh, what is it? Yanilo Premodhan Karnaprachur. What will I do now? Rupa's gone. Sanatana's gone. Shijiva Goswami have gone. I'm simply beating my head against the rock, thinking, how, how can I? I mean, if he feels like that, then we should feel like that. But find and means the need for Sada Sangha is, never goes away. That never changes. Hmm? I mean, like also on a daily level. If you can, but if you can't, then you know, you you you, you know, you, you find live in the proximity to an ashram, a community that you're inspired by, and um, and uh, you know, come to the programs there and, and get inspiration and so forth, and um, you know, you can find that it's, it exists, and there are different fits for different people. You need. You need association with like-minded, affectionate Vaishnavas. I just have a really hard time reading by myself. I That's one of the reason why you should have this on the thing. You know <laughs> you're not meant to be by yourself. Bhakti is not meant to be, a, you know, at your stage particularly, to be by yourself. Mm-hmm. We don't have to ch- chant on. That's right. We're talking about Gyanmarg. In Gyanmarg, you advance by renunciation. In bhakti, we, we, we advance by attachment to devotees, <laughs> to Krishna. So it's by sangha, hmm? the opposite way. So, so if we can serve you here, we'd be happy to, but you know, that's up to you. But you ask the question, how can you be sure what you're doing is pleasing to Krishna? Krishna is as close to you as you are close to advanced Vaishnava. Hmm? That's where Krishna is. He's living in the hearts of advanced devotees. 
So this is called Vaishnavism. It's, Vaishnavas are more important than Krishna. So if Krishna's here. You can ask Gorna Thai if they like what you're doing. But they may not answer you. Hmm? Because if they start talking to you, then you're in trouble. <laughs> then you won't, you won't have anything else to do. They say, get me this, get me that. But you're not ready for that, so they don't talk. But the sadhus, Vaishnava, at least here, I talk. So I can give you some guidance if you want, but that's up to you. But that's the answer to your question. It's not about me or anything, but the answer to your question is, your question is, how do I know what I'm doing, you know, is pleasing to Krishna? You ask a Vaishnava, this is what I'm doing. And he may say, well, that's not the best, you should do like this, or think like that, or, you know, good. And, and just the fact that you're asking, and you feel that there is guidance that you could get, this is pleasing to Krishna. Hmm? Taking shelter of, of advanced devotees and uh, bringing them into your life. Coming, that's pleasing to Krishna. <laughs> so that's the main thing. You will thrive in, in, in Sadhusanga. So you live in Ukai, right? We're not far. You can come here. So many Sadhus here. I used to live up here too. Okay, and I'm not always here, so I won't be no, here to harass you. Yeah, there was one here. Okay, yeah. Well, again, that's a short answer. We've talked a bit tonight. Okay. Sisi Gordon Penamdiki Dai. Aye.